Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Love of Life podcast, and we have a full house tonight. We have back by popular demand, Dr. David Vaughn, and he's brought his lovely wife, Diane. We're going to talk about a lot of things, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, crisis pregnancy centers, and more coming up on the Love of Life podcast. Christian education. Because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, is the love of life. This is the Love of Life Podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. All right, thanks again for joining us for the Love of Life Podcast. Um, David, recently, uh, and actually both of you can answer this first question, um, so you recently had George Grant on your encounter, Worldview Matters, uh, on KSIV, your radio show. You had George Grant on recently, and you asked him a specific question. So I'm going to ask you, um, basically, so did you think, did you ever think we would, over, we would see the overturning of Roe v. Wade in our lifetime with such a pernicious, godless culture? Did, did you think this would happen? I'll let you go first. I had hoped. You would hope. I did not think it would happen, but I—I'll tell you what. I, I just—I I was thrilled. I was giving God glory. I was excited. I wanted to party and celebrate. <laughs> um, I mean, that took place on a Friday morning, and um, I had not even looked at my phone that morning, and then I finally did, and Hannah had texted me, and mm-hmm. Hannah was like, "Mom, Mom, did you hear? Did you hear?" And of course she, you know, let me know. And then my phone was blowing up and I was just ecstatic. And then I told him and we were ready to party and celebrate. To (laughs) to God be all the glory. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. And his hand has done this work and um, he deserves all the credit. I mean, obviously he used a lot of different people for decades who Mm -hmm. fought the good fight for the cause of life and the sanctity of human life. But ultimately he won this Mm -hmm. and I was thrilled. Even used Trump. Yeah, even used Trump. He did. Which, much to the chagrin of some Christians. Yeah. Right? Sure. <clears throat> right. Some professing Christians. But did you think, it's, <laughs> you, you both have labored when it comes to the right to life for decades now. Right, right. Um, you've worked for Thrive for 10, 10 years? It is 12 years. 12 so. years. Mm-hmm. You've been preaching on this for dec- decades. Right, right. So, is it something that you thought you would see in in your lifetime or especially during this time i don't of, th- of i don't history. know that I, I don't know that i thought i would see it until um trump appointed conservative justices then at that point mm-hmm. i thought it was possible in my lifetime yeah but with yeah, the old court yeah. no way yeah definitely more yeah. hopeful with those three added on yeah right mm-hmm. i th- i mean i that doesn't mean i wasn't surprised i was surprised because i thought that what they would do is continue to kind of winnow away at the the rights, the Roe v. Wade. Because what the court likes to do is they like to they don't like to overturn a decision. Mm-hmm. What they like to do is basically, in effect, overturn it without saying that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. just begin to change it, and eventually it's ignored and it doesn't come up anymore because it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And they were already doing that with Roe. They were already beginning to winnow away allow more and more restrictions on abortion, even in the first trimester, you know, by pro-life states. Mm-hmm. So I thought 
and Roberts even said he wanted to do that. He wanted to go in that direction, not overturn it officially, mm-hmm. but allow more restrictions. So I thought that was that's actually what I thought would happen. Okay. But uh, so that was a glorious thing. I mean, yeah, I was very emotional, and I, I mean, I cried, I, I wept, I was very moved, and what a what a victory. Yeah, that's a prayer that you pray every night with the boys is that there would be an overturning, and there was what you pray yeah. with with the kids at night. Yeah, we got to jump in, the kids and I on the tail end of that, really pressing in prayer. Um, on top of lots of other people's prayers or that were already laid thousands, up. Millions, so, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool to know that we've consecutively prayed and that God answered that so hugely. Yeah. 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 Before awesome. we go any further, let's talk about Worldview Matters. Um, 91.5, 1320. So 91.5 FM, 1320. Thursdays at 2 p.m., right. you have a show. Right. You pretty much do interviews, right? Do, do you yeah, ever? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I haven't. I don't generally do commentary, okay. although I will at times do commentary. Mm-hmm. I'm planning that in the future, sure. where I'll just talk about what's in the news, or I'll kind of to walk through a biblical topic. Yeah, but I, I like to interview people, yeah, especially authors or ministry leaders. Yeah, so you know I do that a lot. Yeah. You recently interviewed George Grant, mm-hmm. and upcoming you have Glenn Sunshine yes. and Doug Wilson. And, and others, but yeah, and others. Th- those are names you guys know, right? Yes. Well, that's those are names that a lot of our audience knows <laughs> right, as well. Right, so, right. yeah, I want them to be informed. So tune in too. Yeah, so tune in Thursdays at two o'clock. He's yeah. a great Radio. interviewer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's very good. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Okay, so one of the things that we did early on, our right right as uh, Roe v. Wade Sunday was happening, instead of Super Bowl Sunday, we called it Roe v. Wade Sunday mm. around here. So, uh, we wanted to check in. Pretty much locally, but we looked at various churches, pastors. What was the response uh, regarding? Were they going to talk about it? Were they even going to mention after it after six twenty four? After six twenty four. Okay. So the Sunday after, okay. right? The mm-hmm. pastors that preached, you know, normal to their congregations. Mm-hmm. Were they going to mention it? And we found a very mixed. We're not going to name any churches you here. You can name them if you want. Other, well. <laughs> Okay, we can, if you want. Um, but it was very mixed review. It was very much like some churches rejoiced over this. They, mm-hmm. it, it really is a time to be excited. As they should have. Right, right. Some churches pitted uh, uh, abortion. It's bad, they said, but one guy was, abortion's bad, but you know we also need to look at the life of the woman and what she's going through. Mm-hmm. So it was this very convoluted, uh, upsetting um sort of commentary mm-hmm. on what is going on here. Um, again, a lot of churches rejoiced, but there were other churches that... Well, some didn't even mention it. They well, it's, it's, some well, didn't say anything at all. Can I comment on that? Yep. Sure. The, you know, it, it's hard to know. When, when we t- try to evaluate evangelicalism, it's hard to know because the high-profile people versus the regular Joes, you know, the guy that's got 100 people in his church, faithful pastor preaching the Word... Versus the guys that have 5,000 or the guys that are in denominational leadership and have podcasts and all that. There's a real break between that. Mm-hmm. In, in in what we call Big Eva, the, the elites of Big Eva did not rejoice at this. They, they may have said this is a good thing. But then they went on and on and on about the woman and, and about the poor and about the Second Amendment and all these things that are irrelevant. I mean, you know, God cares about many of these things. 
but murder is an abomination to him. And when you say, yeah, this is good, but you're comparing apples and oranges. You're talking about murdering innocent people versus helping someone who's in trouble. Yes, we should help them in trouble, people that are in trouble. But that doesn't justify then murder, mm -hmm. right. which is the implication. Mm -hmm. Because they're in trouble, they can murder an unborn mm -hmm. child. Uh, profoundly unbiblical in their thinking. And I think more and more, we're seeing Big Eva drift to the left, mm -hmm. unfortunately. It mm -hmm. happened in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. Here we're exactly 100 years later, 2020. Yeah. We're seeing the conservative movement that came out of the mainland, mainline denominations in the 20s. Machen was kicked out of his uh, denomination, started Westminster, people like that, who fought the good fight then, built institutions, and now the the liberals who are like who are parasitic in the way they function, they don't build anything. Mm -hmm. They come in and infiltrate mm -hmm. and take mm -hmm. over other things and eventually destroy those things. And then move on and find something else that conservatives built and destroy those things. So we're in a time of upheaval in the church where all the conservative denominations I mean the mainline denominations are dead basically. Mm -hmm. um, and the conservatives are now all splitting. The Southern Baptist Convention, I will say, prophesying, they will split. Mm -hmm. this, the PCA is going to split. Um, the, the Methodist Church just recently split over gay rights stuff. Um, and so we're going to see that we're going to see conservatism split and the liberals will be clearly liberals, which they've been mm -hmm. for a long time. So you'd say this is a twofold blessing. One, obviously, more babies being born is a blessing. It's yeah, good. Right. But it's also a reveal. Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. COVID was a reveal, the state mm -hmm. of the churches. Mm -hmm. right. And even Roe v. Wade mm -hmm. and, and this being overturned, it really shows the hearts of pastors and people within the congregation. Well, even politicians. And it shows politicians' <laughs> hearts as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A reveal. Yeah. Yeah. So press on a little bit and tell us biblically, why is the response of the church, why should it be rejoicing? What does the Bible say about life and murder? You've already alluded to, but... Well, I, I will say that I was um, very, very happy that when I went to church on Sunday, my pastor gave a pro-life, um, really victory, celebrate, celebratory sermon, and I mm -hmm. was so thankful. I was mm -hmm. so grateful. It was wonderful. So um, thank you, Dr. Michael Bond, <laughs> for being faithful. Um, and the question is, why should it be celebratory? Right. Why should the church rejoice? Why was that a good, yeah. a win? Um, well, first of all, righteousness triumphed. So yes. when righteousness triumphs, people rejoice. People rejoice. Scripture is very clear about mm -hmm. that. I mean, since 73, it was an estimated, what, close to 64 million babies have been murdered. And so if you think about how much more life will happen now, how many more babies will get a chance to live, I mean, I, I don't understand how you cannot celebrate that. Mm -hmm. um, God is pro-life. He is for life. Um, and it doesn't matter um, where that life is um, in existence. It doesn't matter how small that life is from concept conception to natural death um god is pro-life god is for life we should be for life we should be caring for life mm -hmm. and when that life you know gets to live we celebrate we glory in that mm -hmm. and, um, well he is the creator of life 
right? Yeah. And and we see that in Scripture, and clearly in the Word, He forbids murder in the Ten Commandments. He also forbids adultery because that's an attack on the family, and the family is is, is the institution that nurtures life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's against that's theft; that's an attack on the family. He's against coveting other people's property and wives and what. That's an attack on the family. So everything the Scripture says that is pro-family. And anything that says pro-murder, pro-theft, pro-covetousness, and it says a lot about all of these things, all of that's an endorsement of, of life. You have to remember the original... This is interesting, because when you read Genesis 1, it says that God created uh, man, male and female, yeah. created he them. And then it says, and then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them. It's mm-hmm. a blessing, okay? Uh, and that, you can call it a command, you call it a blessing. Even after the fall in, in the world, the old world, the, the, the pre-flood world, was so wicked that God literally had to wipe out except for Noah and his family, right? Even after the fall and after all the wickedness, when, when Noah and his sons came out of the ark, God reiterated that same command. Mm-hmm. Okay, twice he reiterated. Even even though uh, people are born in sin, even though we're all fallen, God still says, "My image is good." Mm-hmm. That's really what he's saying. My mm-hmm. image should fill the earth because mm-hmm. everyone is born in God's image, right? Mm-hmm. And then in in the when God reiterates that to Noah twice, he then specifically mentions capital punishment. That if anybody takes a man's life, his mm-hmm. life should be taken by man. Mm-hmm. And so that isn't, you know, God is hedging about. Because the time before the flood is described as a time of violence. Okay? Where human life had become cheapened. So God is now hedging about human life to protect it. Mm-hmm. And then with this law, the Mosaic law, when that's instituted, God provides more hedges and more hedges. Okay? To protect human life. So clearly God is... You know, to say God's pro-life almost sounds trite mm-hmm. because God is the author of life. Not only does he bring us into existence, every breath we take is based upon his sovereign permission. Amen. Okay? At this very moment, he's allowing us to live. Mm-hmm. Okay, We could leave tonight and not make it home. You, you don't know because our times are in his hands. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the measure of his... Uh, pro-life mentality is is the measure of of the billions of people alive, alive, and there would be more, except those who hate God love death, Mm -hmm. says in Proverbs. And so in the West especially, you see this this hatred of life, uh, this hatred of human life particularly, and of course people like Bill Gates and others are trying to import that to Africa. They're trying to, and, and thankfully, many there's many Christian countries in Africa now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're resisting what the West is pushing on them. This mm-hmm. anti-biblical, anti-life, and you know, anti-natalist uh, view. So, I mean, if you if you go through Scripture and pay attention when you really pay attention when you're reading, um, God celebrates life. He condemns murder. He hates and abhors bloodshed. Says he abhor. It's an abomination to him to shed innocent blood. Um, you can't get any stronger words than that in scripture. 
Mm-hmm. But then you see him celebrating the family in Scripture. I had, you know, I've, I've had people say to me, well, the Bible doesn't say, you know, it's only a couple of verses about homosexuality or it's only a couple of verses about, you know, maybe that one verse about abortion. That's not the way you interpret Scripture. Okay. If God says something is wrong and he says it one time, then it's wrong. Okay? <laughs> right. But what God rather does is he, he, he doesn't want us to, to have an anti anti-life message he wants us to have a life message mm-hmm. so what god does is he affirms so when we talk about the, the mandate you know the the original mandate to be fruitful multiply is it a, really a command because it doesn't say he commanded it says he commanded them but he says be fruitful it's a, it, it says he blessed he blessed them okay this is affirmation this is confirmation um on what is good you know what is holy what is what is righteous and that's what we see in Scripture. He celebrates family. He celebrates childbirth. Um, uh, barrenness is a bad thing in Scripture, right? So it's it's an entire ethos. And unfortunately, as cultures abandon God, they abandon life. And George did a great job in his book, um, Third Time Around, of showing um, variety of ancient cultures and how they were pro-death. As, as men abandoned God and abandoned either special revelation or even natural revelation, they turned toward death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, the Lord is the maker of life, the creator of life, the nurturer of life. Everything that grows, is for, it says, is from his spirit, you know. Um, we have such a mechanistic, naturalistic view of things. We're not seeing the world the way God sees it mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. You know, so, and unfortunately, people who are supposed to be knowledgeable in the word, who are supposed to be shepherds of the church, uh, don't have a biblical worldview. They really mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Or they would have rejoiced when this was overturned. Yeah. Cause, because Roe v. Wade was a very, very wicked law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Can I say one more thing about Roger yeah, Wade? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also think it's important that we understand that, you know, there will be abortions going on. 25 states are probably pro abortion. You know, I don't know the exact number, but it, the country is basically split. Mm-hmm. There will be abortions. Okay. There's always going to be sin. And I've heard some critics say, well, it's not going to stop abortion, so why does it matter that it was overturned? It matters because the magistrate is supposed to be God's servant, his deacon, it says. <clears throat> okay, And when, when your representatives endorse, publicly endorse and enforce evil, <clears throat> excuse me, they are inviting the judgment of God, mm-hmm. not just on them as people, but on the nation that they represent. Okay, So when when that was overturned i'm telling you something shifted mm-hmm. in the heavens mm-hmm. okay yes god punishes sins people individually for their sin but he punishes nations not just for the the amount of sin but for what the leaders have done and are doing mm-hmm. and so when an unrighteous law is removed uh, th- that is uh, clearly god's mercy upon us mm-hmm. because we are a nation under judgment. I mean, one of the reasons we're seeing this cultural decline, rapid decline, is because we've been a nation under judgment. Um, 
you know, a lot of people say, well, judgment's coming because of abortion. No, judgment here. is is here mm-hmm. because of abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's already here. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And now we have people in the highest levels of our government that, that don't even know what a woman is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you're talking about what Romans 1 speaks of with a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, This is a reprobate mind is not just the natural consequence it is a judgment in itself from God. If you do not love the truth, God will turn you over to delusion. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so hopefully, with the overturning of Rome, God will, is saying, you know, He'll relent, if you will. But um, I mean, the church, the church, unfortunately, especially a lot of people in Big Eva, are just they are they are not aware of what's happening. I mean, they don't understand the times we live in, unfortunately. This is not a time to just get along and go along. Yeah. Or as one pastor I I heard, he said that the church needs to focus on unity. And that's pretty much all he said about Roe v. Wade. No. He said, we just need to focus on unity. The church like, needs what to does that focus mean? on righteousness and truth. Right. And we live, unfortunately, in a time of conflict. You know, there are times when societies go through times of relative peace, you know. You remember you know, the Lord of the Rings where Frodo's sitting there and Gandalf's talking and Frodo's complaining about you know, how hard this is? Yeah. And then, I don't have the exact quote, but basically Gandalf says, it's not our choice what times we're born in. You know, we're born in this time. We're born in a time of conflict. We have to fight. And so we're in a time of social revolution and we have to fight. Yeah. Um, with all the means at our disposal. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, speaking of means, we'll talk about crisis pregnancy centers. Um, but it kind of coincides with that doozy of a question that you got recently from somebody. From- I heard I heard this question because I think there is a lot of confusion. Um, and then shepherds who maybe aren't addressing these things, they mm-hmm. don't help that. But um, I've heard the argument that in the Old Testament... God commands the slaughtering of a nation, including babies. Mm-hmm. So how are we saying, you know, he doesn't, he frowns upon abortion, but he commands these, these slaughterings in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. How do we? Do you want me to answer that? Um, I do, but I will, I will <laughs> comment um, because, you know, that, that is a very hard question and a, and a question probably and. A lot of people's minds who know scripture and who know that that happened in various with various people groups where the Lord just wiped them out and you wonder well wait a minute God's supposed to be loving God's supposed to be good how in the world can he do that um, and uh, I actually had wondered that recently um, myself um, and I it was almost like the Lord kind of showed me um, through uh, what is happening in our current times where you're seeing now young children who um, have learned such wickedness from their parents mm-hmm. that now it it is in, it is just part of them where they show no respect they um, are uh, you know, glorying in shame and, um, you know, you, you, you heard about those, um, I guess they were different bars that 
allowed drag queens to come and they allowed uh, the you know parents children. to bring the little children to come see them and you know they they were mixed in with it and so it was almost for me I was like gosh they have they are learning this and it's that generational like um, Sin. <laughs> sin or wickedness that is now, um, you know, such a part of that child that they almost seem given over to such corruption. And and so then you have, you know, just so much pollution, right? And um, not that I'm saying that that child is polluted, but I am saying that that child has learned such grave sin that that is what is his truth and so then that is how he will uh, live and um, you know declare his life and his or her life and um, and so for me I, I was just like wow well could it be, have been possible that that is why the Lord had to wipe out that you know people group because the sin was, you know, from the top down. It was so deep. It was so inbred in um, the generations. Um, and he, as a just God, that would be the just thing to do. So it's it's hard to really wrap your head around it and wrap your brain around it. Um, but we, I just don't think we really understand evil in its purest form. And it is not good. Mm -hmm. And sin in its purest form. Um, and so that is what God is protecting people from. So that's just some of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's God's justice. It is. From, well, an, from an evil, debased culture, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I, I, this could be a whole podcast. Yeah. No, really, if you wanted to oh, get yeah. into it. Because it's multi-layered, I think. Now... <clears throat> So I'm, I'm talking to Christians. I'm assuming. So I'll give her, I'll give that answer. If I was talking to an unbeliever, I would approach it. I'd get to the same conclusion, but I'd approach it differently. But I, but to Christians, if you believe that God is the creator of life, then you believe that God is also the one who can take life. Not only can He take life, He takes every life. Mm -hmm. When we die, God takes our life. Do we understand what? Do you understand what I'm saying? Most people we don't just happen. Yes, we yes. don't just happen to die. <laughs> right. God's like, oh, gee, I didn't know he was going to die that day. Right. Our days are numbered. It says. Yes. Okay. So my days numbered, my time is numbered, and God will take my life. Okay. So, and that is His prerogative because He gave my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the most fundamental thing to understand. Because you hear Christians complaining about God doing things as if God doesn't have a right to do something. Um. He's the Lord, the Almighty God. He brought us into existence. He can take us out of existence, if you will. I mean, I know we exist in the eternal realm. I'm talking about our life here on earth. Our temporal existence is under his sovereign control. He can give us a long life or a short life. That's up to him. Mm -hmm. um, that's the first point. The second point is God being a just God. Not just a loving God, because that's the modern ethos. God has only one attribute, and that's love. Mm -hmm. uh, that is unbiblical. As a matter of fact, it's, it's worse than unbiblical. It's heretical, because it leads to a very distorted image of God. It is not the God of the Bible. Okay? The God of, of the Bible is a loving God, 
but he is a just God, he's a jealous God, and he's a God that punishes evil because because he is righteous, he rejoices in righteousness, mm-hmm. and he hates wickedness. He hates wickedness. As Diane pointed out, part of the problem is we do not see sin for what it is in the eyes of God because we do not see holiness as it is in the mm-hmm. character of God. Mm-hmm. We do, we, even though we are born again, we must continue to be transformed in our mind, in, our, in the spirit of our mind. That is the deepest level of our being. We must be transformed to see what God sees. Mm-hmm. And so we say, oh, how could God send someone to hell for sin? Mm-hmm. What hell tells you is you don't see sin the, right, the way God does. Because clearly Jesus taught that there's eternal punishment. And that means that sin must be so bad in the eyes of God that it would deserve such a punishment. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that. Mm-hmm. Okay? We do not feel the weight of that. Um, so as it comes to, to a culture, um, people will complain about God, you know, um, ordering, quote, what they call genocide. Um, but it's clear from Scripture that those cultures were profoundly wicked from the top to the bottom. And God hates wickedness. And God has every right, every right as God, mm-hmm. to destroy a culture or an individual because of their sin. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you say he doesn't have a right to do that, then you're saying he doesn't have a right to punish evil. And you're saying, therefore, God is not moral. That's what you're really saying. Yeah. That his judgments are amoral. Yeah. That they're arbitrary. They're not arbitrary. Okay? Um, and so, he can, he can remove individuals who are evil. He can remove uh, people groups that are evil. Um, and he has done so throughout history. As a matter of fact, history is a long story of nations rising up, becoming wealthy, Rebelling against God, and then God destroying them. Mm-hmm. That is the pattern of human history. Mm-hmm. So recently, Elizabeth Warren came out right after Roe v. Wade was overturned, and she went after crisis pregnancy resource mm-hmm. centers mm-hmm. Um, and said, "We need to go after them. They're misinforming women. They're dangerous." Mm-hmm. Uh, so you work. You have worked now for twelve years at Thrive. Is it dangerous? In these, uh, are they are they beating women? Are they misinforming women regarding their pregnancies? What what is going on here at crisis pregnancy centers? If Elizabeth Warren was sitting in front of me, I would ask her to come with me, walk into a pregnancy medical help center, and see what they do. Are, are you willing to go and see what they do? Because no, we don't hurt women. We don't manipulate women. We don't coerce women. I have seen thousands of women who have come into a pregnancy center. Um, The one I worked at, I'm now just a consultant, but it was Thrive uh, St. Louis Express Women's Healthcare. And we never coerced them. We never manipulated them. We believe that that woman um, should have what they call informed consent. So for somebody who wants an abortion, you want them to have informed consent. Well, what does that mean? That means you give them all the information that they need to know 
about whether it's fetal development, whether it's abortion procedures, um, abortion whether risks. whether it's the risks of you know that particular procedure. Um, you want them to have informed consent, and then the decision is theirs. It is their decision. By no means would we have ever forced our decision upon them. Um, women, they're smart. They have all the information before them. You know, they'll make a better choice. And the majority of the time, I would say at least if a woman came to Thrive and went through the patient process, you know, got the um, consultation on all options, whether it was on parenting, on adoption, on abortion, um, got the, received the medical services, uh, lab-grade pregnancy test, a limited obstetrical ultrasound, and STD testing, if they got all of that, um, usually between 85 to 90% of that abortion-minded or abortion-determined woman would change their mind. And so they change their own mind by just walking through our process. And it, you know, it was always in an environment that wasn't judgmental. It was very loving. It was very supportive. Um, Can I ask you a question? Sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, Warren's saying that CPCs... uh, That we lie. Yeah, but isn't it really more accurate to say that Planned Parenthood's lying? I would say because it's very accurate. they're withholding information. They are withholding. I mean, there's different ways of lying, mm-hmm. by saying a falsehood, by not saying a truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in Missouri, they're supposed to tell the truth, right? Yeah. Well, um, you know, prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, the Missouri law, one of the Missouri's, Missouri laws was that if a woman went to an abortion facility, they were, um, by law, um, they had to give that woman what was called the Informed Missouri Consent Booklet. And in that booklet, it talked about their rights to obtain a legal abortion in the state of Missouri. And one of the first things in this booklet was put out by the Missouri Health Department. One of the first things that um, that is said in that booklet is that um, they wanted the woman to understand what an abortion was and that an abortion would, um, you know, interfere with the development of a human life would actually end that human life that mm-hmm. has de- begun to develop. And so um, it would go over um, fetal development. And in, in these beautifully laid out pictures of fetal development, we would show women these pictures. Um, some of them were really, some of them would choose life based on the fact that they heard that the heart begins to beat at maybe day 21. Most medical textbooks say day 21, the heart will begin to beat. Now, you can't see that beating heart on an ultrasound until about six weeks. But um, but some of them change your mind just because of that. Now, I will say, yes, Planned Parenthood and abortion mills they don't speak the truth to their patients. They don't give them all the information so that they can make an informed decision at all. Um, I have so many stories that I could share. One in particular, I had I was doing um, an ultrasound on this one gal. She um, was at about 10 weeks gestation. She was post-abortive. And her prior abortion was at about the same a gestational week, so at 10 weeks. So when I did the ultrasound, she's laying on the exam table and I'm doing the ultrasound, um, she pretty much flipped out 
uh, as she looked at the screen and she just started to exclaim, you know, are those arms? Are those legs? A 10-week preborn baby is a fully formed baby. You can see arms. You can see legs. She's like, is that the heart beating? And she's crying. And then she says, and I will never, ever forget it, they lied to me. They lied to me. Now, I'm not sure where she had her abortion, if it was a Planned Parenthood or, an, or another abortion facility, but clearly they lied to her. And again, as a sonographer, you can tweak that abdominal probe. So maybe that baby doesn't look so much like a baby. It, you know, you can tweak the probe where they're not getting the full image mm-hmm. of you know, the, the fetus. No. And so if you want them to make an informed decision, you're going to do that ultrasound correct. Um, you're going to make sure that they can see the baby. And so many of them then would would uh, choose life. But um, I mean, that number you threw out 85%. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that number. It's high. Yeah. Profoundly. And 85% of the women walking in Planned Parenthood aren't walking out. Right. Why? Well, they're not getting that information. Right. And Planned Parenthood is not pro choice because they don't offer the other options like adoption, like parenting. Most women, they don't want to have that abortion, but they feel like it's, it's their only choice. Mm-hmm. But if they are presented with, wait a minute, if you parent, you know, this, this pregnancy center, we can offer you, you know, let's say you're scared to death to be a mom. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a lot of work, right? Well, we can offer parenting classes. We want to help you become a good mom. We have free classes, and then you can earn what we call baby bucks or points that you can take these and you can go into our resource shop and you can buy material items that you need for your baby. Obviously you need a lot of stuff when you have babies, right? Um, and some of the women would tell us they hadn't had needed to purchase uh, diapers or baby wipes for an entire year because they went through the parenting classes at Thrive and they got these material items from our resource shops. Um, and then what, what is really beautiful is that they are in community. They are in a community. They're with other moms going through you know, a very similar thing, the same thing. They're um, getting mentored. Some of them get help with job employment. Um, and it, it is a, it's a beautiful thing to then know that, well, maybe this is doable. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can do this now. And then... You know, there are other resources. Missouri have, has a wonderful program called A2A. It's called Alternatives to Abortion. They offer a lot more material assistance and even financial assistance to women who decide to, um, you know, not abort their child and have their baby. And so some of these women will get plugged into that program through Thrive. They meet with a case manager on a regular basis. And it is so helpful. And so... So in, in some, Warren is lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, 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 she's she's not telling the truth, um, and the, a common slander against the whole movement is all oh, they they love the fetus, but they don't really care for women. It's a lie. Um, mm-hmm. Not only the centers, like Diane's pointing out, provide assistance to the mother, the state provides assistance, and mm-hmm. and that's true all over the country. Mm-hmm. We have so many welfare programs now for moms, especially moms with children. It's just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you even see that in the church. I've I've heard Christians argue that before. Like, oh, you care about the baby, but oh, you don't sure. care about the woman. It's that convoluting, pitting against, here's a woman. We need to care. You, you don't care about her. You just care about this unborn baby. Right. Yeah. 
it's well anything yeah, in the uh, world you hear in the church now apparently apparently yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember um one of the yeah. last times i was able to um i went to jeff city and i was able to uh share in front of a, a congressional committee um on a certain bill and um one of the congress persons um basically really called out thrive and i invited her I just said right then and there, I invited her to come and visit Thrive to see what we do. And she just, you know, they, they don't want to see. They don't want to know. Yeah. All they want to do is be able to kill babies. Yeah. You know, why is that? Mm-hmm. What, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, it's also an industry. Baby oh. killing is an industry. Oh, yes. Well, someone pointed out in an article I read recently, if Planned Parenthoods are closing now mm-hmm. in, in red states, that means that abortion was their business it was mm-hmm. it was very right. revealing right yeah very mm-hmm. revealing about what mm-hmm. they really do they claimed it was only like three percent of what we do yeah. well if that's true no. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be shutting shot. down yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no way you'd still be doing all your other services yeah, yeah. but no <clears throat> i will say too that you know this is a time now we are now that we're in a post real world for the church to really step up because they shouldn't just rely on pregnancy centers to be doing this work obviously a lot of their staff and volunteers comes from the church but it's also an opportunity for the church to rise up Mm -hmm. and you know really reach out and try to minister to these women and their babies Mm -hmm. and even the fathers i mean oh my goodness that that is such a huge need yeah Yeah. so what would that look like what would that look like for a local church who says we're burdened that now there's going to be this influx of babies and women who need help or okay, here's how it looks. potential fathers. Yes. Since we did it. <laughs> um, right. First, the pulpit has to preach pro-life mm-hmm. message. Anti-abortion, but even more than anti-abortion. Pro-life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means um, having children, many children, glorifying children, glorifying the family, mm-hmm. building a community of people that love uh and understand the biblical the biblical concept of the family. Pause that real quick. So what if you go to a church, what if you're somebody who cares about these things, <clears throat> but you realize, or you know, or you know now, my pastor, I don't think he does care about these issues. What would be the role of the congregant, the person who is aware? Should they go to their pastor? Should yes, they just... Yes. I mean, what? I think with any, regardless of the, the issue... If you have a serious disagreement with the leadership, go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe even provide some resources for them. Um, you know, I don't like to be too hard on pastors because it's a very hard job. Mm-hmm. But having said that, um, you know, sometimes pastors are just ignorant of things. Mm-hmm. They, they've not been exposed to certain books or authors or you know, other things, provide resources, give them information, and then give them some time to assimilate that and and then see if they, you see a change. At some point, if there's no change, then, you, well, you know, the problem isn't ignorance. The problem is they're making a choice to avoid this. Mm-hmm. And many pastors do. The majority of evangelical churches still, after all these years, still will not talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and at that point, then I think your only option really is to leave mm-hmm. and find a pro-life church. Mm-hmm. So, so the first step is that the leadership's committed to proclaiming the, that message of life, which also includes the message 
of healing for post-abortive women. Mm-hmm. Uh, half the women going into abortion clinics are professing Christians. Okay, this is the sin the church does not want to talk about. Uh, and they say, pastors will say, well, if I talk about abortion, people, women will be upset because they've had abortions and they'll be traumatized. Um, to which I would say, you're leaving them in bondage. You're leaving them unforgive, unforgiven um, and they need ministry. So you have to address this for their sake, not to traumatize them, but to offer the healing of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers them. I saw actually a YouTube video last night of a woman who said, who had had an abortion. And I've counseled women who've had abortions. And she said, you know, I came to Jesus and I got saved. And she said, there was one sin I never really felt forgiven of. And that was the sin of abortion. Um, and I think there are many women like that <clears throat> in our churches. And they need the leadership to stand up and say, abortion is wrong. It is a sin. But Jesus will forgive that sin. And Jesus will heal you of the trauma mm-hmm. of that sin. And then um, partner with a, with a pro-life center. What we did is I preached the life message. I got a lot of pushback. Basically got forced out of one church because I was pro-life. Um, and built that ethic in the leadership. And then what we did is we adopted, essentially is what happened, you adopt a local PRC. That means you support it with people in your church. You encourage people to volunteer. You're, I mean, we raised money for her mm-hmm. to get training to be on the staff. Mm-hmm. As a church, we did that. So the community embraced the call just like you would support a missionary going overseas, you support a missionary to, to go work or to volunteer. Uh, you support the organization financially and you support it in prayer. So if every church in our nation would adopt a pro-life center and support them by prayer, volunteers, maybe even staff, and giving, I mean, it would just be transformative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that what they way. need to do. But it starts with the leadership. Yeah. yeah. And can I add something? You can add anything um, you want. I was just going to say, you know, if you approach your pastor and you, you know, ask them about these issues and perhaps why they aren't, they aren't addressing them, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it is because they are uninformed. So let's say they're open. Um, a lot of times people expect the pastor to do everything, but God calls your ordinary person to get involved i mean i i'm just i was an ordinary mom and i definitely uh sense a calling on my life to get involved and so i got involved and so if you had people that you know did feel that call to get involved and then had the pastor's blessing then they start that ministry or they recruit recruit those people to try to help out that local pregnancy center um it's it's really a beautiful thing i also want to comment that a most pregnancy centers now will um, kind of have uh, developed um, ministry support and counseling to help that mom who's had that abortion and they need healing and recovery. And so um, part of the patient process at Thrive, one of the last steps, um, even if some of those patients do decide to um, abort their baby, um, since we've developed such a good relationship with them, they will still let us follow up with them. And as we do, and we ask them, how are you doing? Sometimes they will say, I'm never doing that again. That was the worst thing that I've ever have, you know, did in my life. 
Um, some of them are very, you know, they're just very cold and um, they just don't want to think about it. Oh, I'm fine. You know, but but some um, of them are very open then to getting care, um, post-abortive care, and then we'll, we'll plug them in, and they can go through. Um, really, it's a it's a biblical um, counseling study that takes them um, to really see that they that they can be forgiven. For, forgiveness is offered in Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. they can come to really experience that forgiveness and really you know have the opportunity to repent and then experience that forgiveness that God has given them, and they're free. They yeah, a lot of know, women that go to these centers for for information about a, abortion or an STD test, they get saved. <clears throat> I mean, this is a mission, an evangelistic mission field. Mm-hmm. And churches really ought to see the value of that. You know, so yeah. they're doing pro-life ministry, but they're doing evangelism too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I um, that was one of the the just really awesome things about Thrive is that also part of the process is to be able to share the gospel with our patients, but we do it very tactfully. We don't, you know, beat anybody over the head with the Bible or Jesus. It's presented in a very tactful way and we get their permission to, you know, share the gospel with them. Um, and just to have that opportunity to pray. I mean, I got to share the gospel with so many women that I would have not otherwise really had that opportunity. Um, because a lot of them are coming in such great need and crisis that they're open, they're open so that they yeah. were they were open and um, just to be able to pray with them and some of them did accept Jesus you know and um, that was beautiful mm-hmm. so it is awesome. a mission field definitely yeah. so yeah. what are helpful things for Christians to pray for these centers for these women what are do you have any suggestions for what prayers, how they can cover them in prayer? Oh, Diane, go first. Yeah, well, I, I would say <clears throat> do more than pray, but pray. <laughs> um, of course, um, the laborers are few everywhere, right? Yeah. And so pray for laborers. I mean, Thrive is in constant need of volunteers and staff. Um, and there's other centers, pregnancy resource centers, that also have that need. Um and so pray that God provides those workers. Um, pray, yes. So when you say volunteers, what would that actually look like? Say somebody's mm-hmm. not trained medically, they yeah. don't have a background in any of that. Right. Can somebody who just says, hey, I, I, I'm interested, Yeah. can they yeah. knock on Thrive's door, give them a call? Absolutely. They could, um, you don't have to be medical to be involved. Okay. I mean, Thrive is a medical facility is a medical center, women's center. Not all pregnancy resource centers are fully medical. Thrive was fully medical, but we also utilized um, non-medical uh, volunteers and staff, and they would help. They would, you know, they could be in a, in a role that we called a patient advocate. They basically um, met with that woman first, kind of reviewed their needs, um, what they were coming in the center for, went over some initial paperwork, um, and they they were their advocate, and they kind of followed them through the patient process. So they were with them when they had the ultrasound, <clears throat> and then they were with them when they walked out uh, of the center, um, and they kind of had that. They were also the ones that got to share the gospel, um, nice. that particular role. Um, the medical people were do, doing also you know, other things that were, were medical. So, but they could also help out with, um, administrative duties, like, you know, making copies, putting together charts, um, filing things, um, clerical work, reception work. There are churches that even come in and have adopted the, 
a center and they clean it once a week. Wow. They do cleaning. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, huge. We need men to drive the mobile units. Mm -hmm. This is a great need because the mobile units may not go out because there's no drivers. So, um, and we're in if St. Louis. If you're pro life and want to be part of a, helping a center, obviously pray. Mm -hmm. You can give weekly, monthly, however you give. Mm -hmm. But just say, I want to help. What do I need to do? I mean, I did that. 30-something years ago. I mean, I, when Thrive wasn't even Thrive yet, mm -hmm. I said, I want to help. My gift is really public speaking because that's what I do as a calling. And then I, they gave me some training, and I went around and talked to churches about pro-life ministry wow. um, and what the, what the centers do, you know. So, you know, they'll use you, but you, you'll be used because there's a need for all those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's several locations, and we're talking St. Louis. Are they outside of St. Louis, yeah. or is it primarily well, if you're talking here Thrive, in the St. Louis metro? Well, go on. Um, if you're talking about Thrive, we mm -hmm. have there's three clinics. There's one in the city on Lindell. There's one in St. Peter's, and there is one in North County, um, okay. in Bridgeton area. Then there's a Thrive in the Metro East area in Godfrey, Illinois. Um, we do have some Thrives in other states because we have gone national. One of the big things that Thrive is doing now is really offering telehealth services. Um, and so Missouri is part of what's called a compact state, if, um, and that, which means as a nurse, uh, I can um, use my nursing skills uh, with another patient in another state as long as that state is part of the compact um, uh, part of the compact. Part of the compact, <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and, and so now, you know, the, the big thing is um, if they get phone calls in other states and these women are uh, are abortion-minded or abortion-determined, then we're fi they're finding um, pregnancy centers where they can refer them to those centers. So um, The other thing, can I say one mm -hmm. thing, is that and we're talking about Thrive because of her experience there, mm -hmm. but there are many other pro-life organizations in the area. Mm -hmm. There are other PRCs, okay, CPCs, whatever you want to call them. But there's also other pro-life activity. Mm -hmm. There's there's educational organizations. There's political organizations. All of these, Absolutely. all of these are important. All of them work together. So you might say, well, you know, and I don't want to do a, that center thing, but man, I, I'd be really good at writing a blog, or I'd be good at doing marketing for. You can contact different. There are just a lot of pro-life. There's a lot of pro-life work that isn't center focused. Okay, but it, it ultimately supports what the centers do. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's also those options. A lot of pro-life opportunities. Um, Google pro-life organizations in the U.S. Mm -hmm. that do it in your state. Of course, with Google these days, you might have to do a little searching, mm -hmm. but eventually you can find information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or not use Google. Use, use a different <laughs> use of the else something else right another yeah. thing that churches can do they can host like a baby shower and bring in material items for these women who take mm -hmm. the classes you know so have a diaper drive they can do that just drop off a bunch of diapers at one of the centers oh my gosh that, that's huge yeah baby wipes you know formula of course yeah. the shortage of formula that is a huge need yeah um and not all women breastfeed so 
So contrary to Elizabeth Warren's opinion about what you do, <laughs> it's all false. I mean, what, I you, just, you really are helping women. And you're not absolutely. just helping the baby, you're helping women. No. Oh my right? gosh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just don't understand how people can just say things like that. I mean, you know, I can understand if they're saying, you know, they think that we lie to women, but we don't. I mean, you know, we offer medically accurate information to these women. We get, you know, information from, the, you know, cre- credible organizations like, you know, ACOG or, you know, the Missouri Health Department. And a lot of them, too, though, um, we are finding that there are some doctors who are very life-affirming that, you know, really are willing to help out. Um, so if you have, you know, if you want to you know, ask some certain questions um, about, you know, different things, they're so helpful. And, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Another, I think, misnomer that is going around with the overturning is that women will die. And there are all these things that won't be taken care of if there's an epitomic pregnancy. Can you speak to some of that? And are those complete mm-hmm. falsehoods? <clears throat> what, it, what is this? Is it just fear mongering? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The short answer is yes. The short answer is definitely <laughs> yes. Both, you know, an ectopic and miscarriage, you know, those, neither one of them have anything to do with obtaining an abortion. Um, for a woman to obtain an abortion, they are deciding to end the life of a child, of a human being. They want to take that life. Okay, so in the um, if a woman is experiencing an ectopic pregnancy, that is can be a life-threatening situation for the woman, and that means that. Um, the potential pregnancy that they have is developing outside the uterus. So it could be mainly and mostly they do occur in the fallopian tube, but they can occur elsewhere. But it is a life-threatening situation and can be for the mom. And so that, that, you know, pregnancy cannot um, continue to develop. It's not really viable, is it? It it is. No, it is not. Mm. It it is non-viable. So so doesn't that mean it's not technically an abortion? Therefore, it is not an abortion. And because you're not ending that life, it cannot be sustained outside of the uterus. Eventually, that baby would miscarry? Well, yes, it it dies because it's not implanted in the uterus where it gets the nutrients it needs. But then it also can cause um, much harm to the mom (laughs) because that developing fetus if it you know is developing um in an environment where it's not supposed to and it's not getting the things it needs to develop properly um then it can cause a fallopian tube to rupture and then you have hemorrhaging that the mom can experience which she could die from and women have died from that um and and some people think well can't you just take that fetus and implant it in the uterus that that is not possible and it has never happened you know, who knows? Maybe in the future, some you know, medical technology some and advancements ben will, come will, along. will will make that possible. But it is it, it is it can't happen at this point in time. Um, with miscarriage, you know, miscarriage, that baby is not alive. That baby has not developed. That baby has already died, or is or is in what they call a fetal demise. There is no it's dying turning back to to continue to live, um, short from a miracle. <laughs> but, um, so that would not be a, an abortion, 
um, to then treat that. So if you're treating an ectopic, if you're treating a miscarriage, um, neither one of them means that you are intentionally causing an abortion. No, you are treating, um, you are, you are um, doing what is necessary to help the life of the mother um, be sustained and um, treating that mom to health. And so that includes removal of that miscarriage or removal of that tubal pregnancy, that ectopic. So, yeah, that, that lot, that's a lot. That's fear mongering. Mm. Yeah, it is. Because it is not... the, 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 even a, a, a pro-life state like Missouri, which has very pro-life laws, recognize ectopic and miscarriages as non-abortions. Those, treating those things are not outlawed, and no doctor is going to be prosecuted if he mm-hmm. treats those. Yeah, no, that no, is no. fear-mongering from the mm-hmm. left. Mm. Yeah. They have to come up with things to you know, make this whole situation look like the people who are on the side of life look really bad mm-hmm. and look like, you know, they just want to hurt women. And, mm-hmm. you know, treating um, ectopic and miscarriages help that woman, mm-hmm. help save that woman's life. And so every mm-hmm. doctor, you know, who thinks they can't treat an ectopic or treat a miscarriage, they know better. Mm-hmm. They know better. So mm-hmm. that's just ridiculous to think that, that oh my gosh, why well, can't do that now because it's going to be an abortion and I'll get thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Anything else? Uh, yes, I have yes. some more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or on the back what side, else do you have? Um, well, since we're talking about children and saving them, can you give us some um, biblical reasons that children matter? Why do children matter? You've alluded to the family, but maybe expound a little bit more on that. I thought you were going to talk about contraception. Oh, we can do that too. Why don't we do that and then maybe wrap it up? We'll let the pro talk. Well, I think this, I, I think this is a big problem in the church, the contraception thing. Okay. Because I think, as you guys shared on your uh, podcast, mm-hmm. your own story, your own journey, there's a lot of ignorance about it. Yeah. And I think if we're going to build a pro-life culture in the church, that, that has to be talked about, has to be explained, mm-hmm. you know. So I didn't want to miss that point. Uh, I know it's your interview. I don't want to try to run things. but No, no, no. No, that's great. Yes. Feel free. So talk to us, Diane. To step in. So what's your question about <laughs> so, contraception? Uh, okay. Well, we have you know recently discovered that contraception that we thought, hormonal contraception, the pill, um, was fine and pro-life and just... You know, allowing you to space your pregnancies, not potentially end one. And then some very wise people gave us a book that completely very changed our mind. <laughs> I don't know who they were, but it, yeah, it helped us to see things from a medical perspective, from the pill perspective of what's really going on. Um, yeah. So that, maybe explain again, if somebody didn't hear our last podcast, what what do hormonal forms of birth control actually do and what falls under that category? Okay. Um, well, first I'll say this, that um, the contraception industry makes a lot of money. 
<laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, they, they don't want to see women not purchase the pill and not be on the pill or not um, have a hormonal IUD in place. I mean, they they want that. They're making lots of money. And so, of course, doctors are going to be prescribing that. And then you're going to get into a situation where they're not going to offer that woman informed consent where they really understand what happens when this woman takes um, hormonal contraception into their system. Um, and so as, as a nurse and then even as um, I have been under um, David's preaching where he preached a biblical worldview and he would preach on topics um, pro-life topics and um, topics on marriage and family and you know the use of contraception um, and I learned then that I wouldn't have known you know otherwise that um, when someone you know is on the pill or uses a hormonal IUD um, even you know something like um, you can get um, contraception contraception that's a an implant in the arm or an injection with a, a Depo-Vera shot um, that they have to take every three months. Well, all of those are hormonal. And so what can happen, and the thing about um, this type of contraception, you don't necessarily know what action it will <laughs> use um, to get to the the means that it's going after. Um, which is no baby. Which is, yeah, no, mm -hmm. no, no baby. baby, no child. Mm -hmm. But um, the three types of actions that these uh, contraceptions will um, work by would be either um, to prevent ovulation so that egg is not released from the ovary, hence it can't be fertilized by a sperm, no baby. Okay, that's, that's not an abortion patient. That's what you would want. Um, but let's say um, you have an early pregnancy where you, you know, did recently, um, you know, conceive and then, um, the pill would act, might act to, um, it will, uh, interrupt the lining of the uterus in such a way where it makes that environment hostile to that, uh, to that fertilized egg. So it cannot implant into the, the wall of the uterus. And so in that situation, what has happened is that it has become an abortifacient. That uh, fertilized egg now has, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And so then it's abortifacient. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, and then another way it can uh, take action is through causing um, the cervical uh, mucus to be thickened so that the sperm can't actually get to the egg. And so of course, that doesn't, you know, that's not an abortifacient, um, and that would be that would be fine. But you just don't know what action. And you, a lot of times, you don't know where the woman is in her cycle to know how it's going to be used. And can so, that be different from month to month? One month it prevents the release of an egg. Then the next month it thins the lining. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you could use it in. Yeah, one month it prevents, and so you don't. You then just the don't next know. month you've actually had an abortion. Wow. And I, I not was, know it. Right. Well, I you're unaware. specifically yeah. asked my OBGYN. Yeah. I, there's nothing a, that's an abortifacient about the pill, right? No. Yeah. So why is that? Why do some medical mm -hmm. doctors, some, mm -hmm. not even know that? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, 
Go on. You're the nurse. Well, well, I was just going to say um, they choose not to know it. Um, they choose not to be informed, and they choose not to inform their patients. Um, how often do you have a doctor really sit down with you and go through you know, this medication in a way that's really good education on what you're going to be putting in your body, what you're going to be ingesting? They're going over the action, the side effects, um, long-term, short-term. They don't take the time to do that. But if you read the insert, mm -hmm. a lot of the inserts, and of course it's such small print, um, <laughs> they'll talk about how it will interrupt or it can affect the lining of the uterus. But then if you're not really educated, you don't really know what that means. You don't really know, oh, well, gosh, if I have an early pregnancy and it's interrupting the lining of my uterus, that means that baby could be aborted. They might not just know terminology or know <clears throat> that kind of thing, right. but... Yeah, that was me. I, I mean, I read, shameful. I read that line of it thins, can thin the uterus lining, and I thought, okay. <laughs> when you right. read that, yeah. I'm looking for the word abortifacient. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. for oh, not able to implant. Terminology, boy. Here's another thing that COVID revealed, that the <laughs> pharmaceutical industry does not have our best interest at heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to heal us. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, doctors are not pharmacists. Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. True. Yeah. So they don't know what a drug does unless the pharmacy tells the pharmacy company tells them what it does. So mm -hmm. they have salesmen that sell drugs to doctors that they want they want their drugs pushed. They have to educate the doctor on what it does. Mm -hmm. Well, if they want to sell this thing, they don't want to say, "Hey, this is an abortion pill." Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. in some cases, I think doctors are just ignorant, but they're choosing not to know because. I would think a good doctor would want to know he's, what he's recommending mm -hmm. and what his harms are. Mm -hmm. But in some cases, they don't know. In other cases, they do know, and they're actually pro-abortion. Mm -hmm. You'd think a gynecologist wouldn't be pro-abortion. Uh, we had, with one of our kids, we had our doctor say, well, maybe I ought to consider an abortion. And, you know, we're like, what? Wow. Um, <clears throat> so you've got doctors that are pro. Now, they'll never do an abortion, but uh, they'll put you on a pill that's basically an abortion abortion pill um and they know wow so it, it depends on your doctor now i don't want to say that every time a woman takes a pill they're causing an abortion that that is just not the case right but the fact that it can cause an abortion should really be a wake-up call i think to every for sure every christian woman um and christian man in that mm -hmm. relationship that marital relationship for sure mm-hmm yeah. Well, and let me just say this. The odds are if you take it for years, it'd be hard to believe that one of those months it, that there wasn't. I mean, one of those cycles, there was not. I mean, maybe not it by God's grace. It didn't use that third yeah, mechanism. But yeah. that is a possible mechanism. So clearly, you know, we don't recommend the pill. I mean, I never recommend it as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And that includes the mini pill, the regular pill, mm -hmm. just anything mm -hmm. hormonal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they can make a pill that prevented conception. Well, that was the other thing <clears throat> we had read, that the definition in the 70s changed. Yeah. Um, conception, what that meant. It well, was that, no that, longer that's, that's how they work. Yeah. They changed yeah. the meaning right. of words. That's, woman doesn't mean woman anymore. No, well, and pregnancy we also changed, you know, yeah. the definition. I mean, a woman wasn't, you know, pregnant until... Um, 
implantation. Implantation wow. occurred. Wow. So yeah. if they don't, if the baby doesn't implant, then technically it wasn't a pregnancy, even though that baby yeah. is conceived and conceived mm-hmm. has DNA, has gender, has everything wow. that mm-hmm. yeah. it needs. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put a lot of work into hiding. Yeah. Truth. That's what yeah. darkness does. That's right? what darkness is. Yeah. Well, yeah. the sad thing is, it's 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 so unfortunate that so many Christians like us were just ignorant. I mean, just simply yeah. ignorant. <clears throat> right. I mean, you know, for whatever reason, the information didn't siphon off or get to us. Sure. Um, in you know, after after we got married, the churches that we were involved in at the time, those churches didn't bring that up. You know, there's, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot. There was that, but there, I mean, just it's it's so sad and unfortunate how many Christians are just in the in the dark. They just take mm-hmm. it and right. they don't think anything of it. Right. I wish it was yeah. more well known. Yeah. You know. Well, there's maybe God's calling you to do something about that. Maybe start We're doing a, something right maybe now. Maybe start a podcast. <laughs> right, you are. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. hopefully, you know, maybe you'll influence some other young couples. Now that yeah, your in, friendship in this, with people. This journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's one of Definitely. the goals. Do we have anything else? Do you have Only any other he's questions? Talk about why children matter. Yeah. Okay, Go so ahead. let's let's we end on this briefly. Short, briefly. Okay. Okay. Yep. So briefly. why do children matter? Well, well, back back to well, <laughs> the fact that we're asking that question shows you the anti-life culture we live in, mm-hmm. the pro-death culture, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so children matter because children are the means of dominion. The, we're back to Genesis 1, okay? Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in a lifetime. You do it generationally, mm-hmm. okay? So children are educated. They then educate their children and then those children educate their children and that's how cultural capital is built up over generations and generations, centuries. So like, in, uh, you know, all of a sudden in 1950, we woke up one day and scientists could make the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we can, make, we can make cars. We can do all these things. No, it was generations of capital building and building and building and building. Um, so you eliminate children. You're basically now... As a civil, as a culture, civilization, whichever word you want to use, you are now declining mm-hmm. because you have fewer people to pass on the the knowledge and information to, and over time. And and I and, and books have been written on this. I mean, cultures that lose a pro marriage, and when I say pro heterosexual monogamous marriage, mm-hmm. a pro family ethos, those cultures do decline. It's been demonstrated. Cultures that are monogamous, that are pro-life, that are pro-family, they build cultural capital and they grow and they expand. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're a Christian and you care about God's word and if you care about obeying, uh, be fruitful, if you care about dominion, part of that command is having children and then obviously training them. Mm -hmm. But... um, Without that, I mean, and not only the culture declines, the church declines. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you end up in a situa- situation really we're in now. I mean, you think about 60 million abortions. Yeah. And let's say half of those were Christian women mm-hmm. who did it. What's that say about the blood on the church? 
yeah. you know, what to say about the the anti-natal uh, philosophy that's invaded the church. Um, it's, I mean, things that are just like assumed in our culture are so ungodly. Mm-hmm. Oh, two kids, that's plenty. Yeah. Well, okay, mm-hmm. chapter and verse, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, I mean, yeah. so much of our worldview, even Christians, it's unbiblical. Because he's just taken the culture around them. And they're not studying the word and really learning what the word is saying to not just to them in a devotional sense, but how to live in every area of life. And, you know, speak, since we're talking so much about the, the life issue, you know, abortion, that is the, that is the window to the world. Mm. Because if a pastor will open his mind and really look at this, this, this will open up a door to all kinds of issues, political, social, okay? Um, and he, if, if you're closed-minded about this issue, then I believe that you will be closed-minded in developing a real biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christians, you know, say they love the Lord, they say they love His Word, but it's an hour and a half on Sunday morning, and they walk out of the church, and they live like the world. They talk like the world. They think like the world. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is there, maybe if they're having a hard time with something. But they don't think, they're not thinking God's thoughts after him. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really cultivate a pro-family attitude, a pro-child attitude, well, then you think, oh, my God, well, how do I educate? No, i got to think about education. Mm-hmm. Now I got to think about, well, my kids are going to grow up. What are they going to do? I'm not going to let them sleep around. I got to think about sexual morality. Oh, I got to think about what they're watching on TV. So now I got to think about, I got to think about entertainment and art. What about the music? I got to think about music. Um, Boom. That's what I was going to say, babe. I was going to say, you know, why do children matter is because, oh my gosh, the Lord uses them in our life to grow us in phenomenal ways. Oh yeah. Um and and to teach us um so much about him. Mhm. And you know, I I really think that, that that's part of his design. He wants us to know him. How better how better uh to know him than to have children to then learn about sacri- sacrificial love mm-hmm. where you're laying down your life for your children. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you'll you you'd do anything for your kids, you know? It's it's powerful, and Scripture says that children are a blessing. That's why they matter. They bless us. God uses them to bless us, and they bless us in ways we don't even realize until like down the road. You know, yeah. Yeah, You have to grow up if you're going to really parent. Yeah, Yeah. it matures you. Yeah, and that's we need to be matured. Amen. That's really good. Children. That's really good. Well, David and Diane, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, on a personal note, we love you we both. Love you too. And uh, your 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 ministry, your life has been an absolute blessing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, in 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 my life specifically, but in our lives as a married couple, and, and to um, our children. Yeah, and and your service to the Lord, both of yours, is absolutely not in vain, and it is a wonderful testament to our. To our Lord and to eternal life that He's Amen. given to us. So Amen. I just want to thank, thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I appreciate that, Jesse. Absolutely. To God be the glory. Yeah.